Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Sort of a guide on this adventure into the upland fields, the forests, and uh, sometimes even the marshes where we find freedom and adventure, maybe a wild bird or two, camaraderie and fellowship, and of course, great work from every one of our four-footed companions. There are no bad dogs, are there? I doubt it. You know, this whole upland, uh, the whole opening weekend kind of thing, this is like the extended version Talked about mine a couple times. I'm going to talk with my friend Rashawn Gordon, soon to be hunting buddy, about the Southwest and how his opening day went. Guy knows his dogs, he knows his birds, he knows that country like the back of his hand, has probably walked every inch of it. Desert country, fascinating, magical places. So we'll get some insights from Rashawn on all those things and more. But that's not all. You have a chance to win a peat boot dryer just by answering a pretty simple question in the Upland Nation Puzzler. I'll have some news you can use. And I'm talking to everybody who gets the newsletter and Facebook page readers as well about what you learned last week during your own opening weekend. So it's all coming up right now on the Upland Nation podcast brought to you by Ruffland Performance Kennels, Happy Jack Dog Care Products here on South Dakota Ringneck Nation and Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food, as well as my friend Fred Bohm on the road driving carefully, I hope, at Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products. They're crafted at the highest caliber heirloom quality. Sign up for the mailing list at Sage and breaker.com and you'll get first notice of the very rare sales sageandbreaker.com and while you're on the internet go to hunt huronsd.com if you are ready to hunt in the ringneck nation yeah they've got a great event i was there first probably 20 years ago doing a field and stream radio show and since i've been back a few more times making tv shows and just for fun the ringneck festival and bird dog challenge november 4 through 6 if you're interested in showing off your dog getting a bunch of buddies together just for the fellowship and a little competition Sign up for a hunting packet at hunthuronsd.com and enjoy 140,000 acres of public access and that fascinating, challenging Ringneck Festival and Bird Dog Challenge. As this is being recorded, and it's being recorded now because I'm rained out of my hunt. It's cold, it's wet, and it might even snow here today. So I'm really grateful to be talking to Rashawn Gordon from somewhere in, I'll just call it the sunny Southwest. You can give me a better bearing on that stuff. Rashawn, welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. How you doing, Scott? I, I... other than the weather, I can't complain. I was hoping to be in eastern Oregon chasing chuckers again, but I'll wait until it dries out. You you probably have the same kind of soil. If it gets a little wet, you don't want to be up on a hill on a dirt road. No, no. The the mud turns to snot, and you just 
get stuck and tires get all gummed up. Your boots weigh 20 pounds a piece. It's no fun to be out. I'll never forget we were stopped uh, on one of those kind of roads, and it was a bit of a slant. And it was, we were hooking left, but we hadn't made that hook left. We stopped, looked over the cliff, and then gravity took over. <laughs> I figured we better get a little momentum before we get too close to that cliff. And we got out of there, but just barely. So any more and we had it happen actually once last weekend too. Uh, it started to sprinkle and it was time to go back to camp. You um you might have been back to camp a few times. You know, we're going to talk a lot about southwestern hunting because well now I have an ulterior motive and I warned you off mic. I'm I'm coming that way and anybody else you're all welcome to join me. I'll be speaking at the NAVDA uh national annual meeting in January and then I'm going to head further east from there they're in ontario and then i'm going to head uh, towards rashawn and all my other friends down there so funny they've all said they're busy that week <laughs> how about you tell tell me about quail season so far tell me uh, t about your your last stellar adventure well i'm going to tell you it wasn't too stellar uh, um we've had a, a lot of uh monsoon action in august and september oh which is good for Mern's quail and normally gamble's quail don't benefit off of those but this year it caused something strange to happen the late rains actually caused the birds <clears throat> excuse my voice um to go into a late hatch so opening day you know, we're excited. We, we jumped a few nice-sized coveys of birds. My shooting was horrible, though, by the way. Well, I, but, I, can, I can relate. <laughs> it's because the quail were so small. The pattern was... was <laughs> Wait a minute. I got uh, to write that down. <laughs> but we the birds that were taken were immature. Yeah. And that, that doesn't surprise me, I guess, after what you said about the rain. Well, I was thinking, okay, you know, this is a little strange, but I, I've seen years in the past where I've shot some immature birds before. But after my friends and I decided to, you know, call it a day and head back, I decided to take the long way home. <clears throat> and I thought I spotted a quail out in this field, so I grabbed my binoculars. And it turned out it was uh, a pair, and they had eight chicks. Wow. You know, and this is a uh, third week of October, and they still got little chicks. So that was kind of uh, strange. I, I called my friend who's a biologist out here in Arizona, Game of Fish, and he said that this is a rare, but it can't happen. So I'm kind of like been waiting a little bit before I go back into the field to let the birds mature a little bit more. You know, that that is... the. I've never heard anybody use that as an excuse for not going hunting, <laughs> but, but I kind of get it because I, I was in South Dakota a, a few years back and, uh, and they had a similar situation. They had a, a late hatch of, of ringnecks and it was legal and everything. And I ended up shooting one that, um, that barely had any color to it and and with ringnecks you know you hear that story every year somebody shot right. one and just barely had enough color to know that it was a, a male and all of that but um 
you know, we, we might have had the same thing out here in eastern Oregon. We had so many hatches and so much weird precipitation at different times. I don't doubt that there were a few triple hatches here and there as well. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. I've uh, I've hunted a lot of years. I've never seen baby quail in the middle of October before. Yeah, that that's pretty weird. And you know, as much as I love to hunt and chase the birds with my dogs, uh, I just don't feel right about shooting little chicks. If you could hit them at all. Yeah, if I could hit them. I mean, I shouldn't worry about it. But. Yeah. It's like me and Hungarian partridge. They're, they're bigger than a chucker, so I don't quite know when to pull the trigger. Um, so I just keep pulling. I run out after two pulls. So. <laughs> That's a bucket list bird for me. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And you ought to do it. Um, but don't go solely because you might find Huns because that's the recipe for disaster. Go out early for sharptails or go out late for pheasants. And as a bonus, maybe you'll get some Huns. Yeah. They seem like a, a cool, cool bird. They are. They're fascinating. And, uh, and pretty, t- the best, best game bird I've ever eaten was Hungarian partridge that, uh, by default had aged five days before I got them, uh, cleaned and frozen. Really? Yes. Might have been just pure dumb luck, but anyway, it was it was good, and I'll never forget it. Although the sharp tails I had for dinner last night were pretty good too. But let's, <laughs> enough about me. So tell me, uh, tell me in general, how did your how, how did how is your hunting season going so far? Besides that, have you seen some country? How are the dogs doing? Give me a highlight. Oh man, the the dogs are doing great. Uh, the birds I missed were all over points, I hate to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, the weather's been absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the cubbies that I've been seeing, the they've been nice-sized cubbies, some of them up to 50 birds. Wow. So it's, it's shaping up to be a really nice season. Uh, some other people around the state are not having the, that kind of luck. They're reporting low numbers. Uh, and then some are reporting the same thing that I'm experiencing. Yeah. yeah. So it just kind of, it's kind of hit and miss, but the desert's that way. You know, some places you can have a lot of rain and other places won't see a drop. You know, we sat on a high spot uh, in uh, Northern Nevada last week and watched. Um, I, generally speaking, I just call it rainstorms, but they were in tiny tiny columns of rain that you know some guys call microbursts right and, and if you if you if you're in a place where you can see that and you know out your way further out i watch this monsoons come over tucson arizona all the time you can understand why there's no birds in that draw but there's way more birds than you've ever seen in that one this whole idea of microclimates is driven home so you're seeing it and that may be part of it as well give me a sense of place you know just describe where you're hunting what kind of place that is oh it's actually a little slice of heaven it's all flatland oh yeah i like that no cactus uh there's some Kind of some grassy stuff, some sagebrush, um, right next to a lot of irrigated crops. 
So the birds got plenty of uh, food. We got canals that run through, so they got water. They got good cover. Um, and the walking is really gentle on a dog's feet. That's one of the things that, that really turned me on to this place to begin with. So I'm, it's a it's a nice place. I, I'm I'm a little surprised. I was waiting for a horror story like my chucker hunts. <laughs> this, no. But but you've been out that way a long time. I bet you didn't find that the first season you hunted that area. Well, here where I'm at now, yeah, I, I did. Uh, where I used to live on the other end of the state, it was miserable. Choya cactus, other cactuses, I don't even know what the names are. Big, steep, rocky, volcanic hills. It was just like chucker hunting except chasing gamble squirrel. Yeah. And then when I came here, it was like I, I died and gone to gamble squirrel heaven. So I decided this is the place I want to live. And you did. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, just people, there is hope out there. And Rashawn is an example. He's the poster boy for this kind of stuff. He finally, well, you can tell it better than me. I'm, I'm just so cheerful about what you did and, and when you did it. You didn't wait till you're old and retired, broken up. So you couldn't do this sort of thing. You, you, you decided the light bulb was going to go off a little earlier, didn't you? Yes, I did. I did. I made that decision a few years ago. I quit my job and uh, loaded up my dogs and came here to Arizona to start raising and, and training uh, bird dogs. And then that led to, uh, I ended up starting guiding, which uh, during the dove season, we have a 15-day season. I spent 10 days in the field guiding clients, and they were very successful. So that was actually a pretty good thing. And... Uh, now I'm actually this year getting involved with uh, owning a hunting club. Oh, wow. So I've been doing a whole lot of stuff, been keeping busy, uh, and, and things are just going along. And this has been the best decision I've ever made in my life. And you're also, it, it, more power to you, man. I, I just love it. Um, and, you know, anybody else out there, if you're looking for inspiration, there's a great story. Um, I, I'm knocking wood. I, I came to that conclusion myself quite a while ago and uh, uh, chose to be broke and have fun instead of the opposite. <laughs> but, but, you know, this whole conversation started with this. I'm just going to read this verbatim. This was a Facebook post of yours the day before the quail season opened down there. Um, tomorrow is quail season. I can't wait. I get to chase after gambles quail with dogs, friends that are also hunting tomorrow. Be safe in the field, be respectful and sporting to the game. We hunt, we eat what we kill, but we're not hunting for food. Take birds on the wing, pick up empty cases, give thanks to God. We live in a great country where we have the opportunity to do what we do. We're blessed. Now, Rashawn Gordon, that kind of stuff doesn't just erupt out of anybody's mind. What prompted all of that? It's the way I feel. Yeah. You know, we we hit the lottery being born here in America. We're we get to do things that a lot of countries don't and will never have the opportunity to do. One of those things are hunting. Now some people take that for granted, you know, like they do everything else. And it's really bad out here because you get a lot of guys, they like ground squatting quail and they don't appreciate what we have and the birds that we actually get to hunt. And it's not just about killing. It's about friendship. It's about nature. It's about 
giving thanks to God because God made all this for us. He gave us this place, gave us the birds to hunt, and we need to show a little more respect for it. And the sport itself, we're the ambassadors for this sport. It doesn't look cool, in my opinion, when we brag about ground spotting six quails sitting underneath a bush. You know, I don't know, I'm just a little funny that way, I guess. Well, there's 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 plenty of room for that kind of talk around here. I'm 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 with you on all of that. We're on the same page. Hey, everybody, we're just getting warmed up around here. That's Rashawn Gordon. I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Rashawn, you take a break for a minute, uh, unlace your boots, relax. I'll be back at you in about ninety seconds. In the meanwhile, everybody else. Don't go away. I've got a lot to talk about. First, hey, have you visited the Patreon page? Yeah, if you want to get involved at a deeper level with the Upland Nation, lots of benefits to becoming a premium member. Just go to patreon.com slash Upland Nation. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, coming up, we have the a little bit more news, the Upland Nation puzzler and a prize for you. But before that, um, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by happyjackinc.com. This time of year, you start discovering all of these things that might be a little bit more problematic than you thought when you were just getting ready for the season. My buddy Tom Keir sent me a photo a, a day or so ago about his setter with I counted at least two dozen ticks on the poor dog's um, uh, face, and I'm sure there were more everywhere else. Happy Jack has something for that. I use it whenever I'm in tick country. It's a spray. DD33 is what they call it, and it works. It has a short shelf life, so you put it on every day at the beginning of the day, and by the end of the day, it's it's not going to be there anymore. So it's that's the good news. And if you're going places where there are fleas, it'll do the same job on the fleas. DD33 at happyjackinc.com. And of course, if you're traveling there, you probably ought to crate your dog in a rough land kennel. Uh, Flick spells that R-U-F-F-L-A-N-D kennels, roughlandkennels.com. Reminded once again of all the great accessories they have in addition to the first roto-molded dog crate ever in the world. These guys were the pioneers. They've got all sorts of components you can stack on top of the crates for storage, whether it's dry gear or you want to store an extra nine gallons of water. That's what I do with it. There are kennel covers. There are pads for your dog inside. There's fans of various sorts, training bird transport boxes, bowls, and other ways to give your dog water. Learn more about them at RoughlandKennels.com. Yeah, if you were a junior high or a college band director, you can relate to that song because it's the only place you're going to hear an orchestral bells solo <laughs> these days. Uh, Rashawn Gordon joins me from somewhere in that. Hey, give me a bearing. Whereabouts are you down there, Rashawn? I'm in a beautiful little town called Welton, Arizona. We're about 30 miles outside of Yuma, headed towards uh, Phoenix. Nice. I spent a week in Yuma one night on the way to Ajo. <laughs> I spent a, a month in Ajo one night, but that's another story. 
Uh, I don't even know where that is. Well, just get get a satellite photo and find the biggest copper mine in the entire Western United States. That's Ajo. Um, so, so in other words, a big hole in the ground is what it is. <laughs> so we're talking about this. Uh, the, the manifesto you published on Facebook, which I, I just love every bit of it. But let's piece it out a little bit. Um, because now that you're a pro guide as well as a dog trainer, you, you probably deal with this a little bit more than the rest of us. What is the, what is something that you see or what is some way for us to be better at safety in the field? One, always make sure you don't have your finger on your trigger. Yeah. Um, and I notice a lot of guys want to hunt with their safeties off. Yeah. And, that's always been something that's gotten to me because I, I've, I've learned how to take my safety off, you know, uh, as I'm bringing my gun up to my shoulder and putting it back on. I don't even realize it. It just becomes natural now. And yeah. even though that, you know, I still check it to make sure that it is on. Uh, we always got to be aware of that. And also when a dog is on point, you got to kind of, look around and, and, and make sure of your area, your surrounding area. And it's not about shooting every bird. Some birds you got to let fly, you know, and uh, people seem to forget that sometimes, you know, they shoot too close to other people in the party or vehicles or just, they get a little crazy over a bird. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because quail are the worst for that. They really are. I've, I've been in so many close calls, uh, luckily none of my own, uh, making, but I've still seen that way more often. You know, we had a situation I was, I was in a low spot and it was a flat spot and there were no rocks there either. So I guess we do have more in common than I thought. And this was Valley quail country and there was, um, sagebrush and Flick was on point, and there, then in the distance, there was the uh, the willows that were growing up along the, the beaver dam that was the reason there were quail there, because this is the middle of the freaking desert, too. So, of course, that's where they're going to be. And uh, so Flick gives us a pretty good point, and I'm motioning to my buddy to come up quick so that we these birds don't fly away or, worse yet, run away from us. And he doesn't get there in time. And what did I do? I The first thing I did was I looked right at him, figured out where he was. Then I turned to where the birds were or where the dog thought the birds were, took the shot, and son of a gun, if I still didn't drop it into the water, which I had thought I was going to try not to do. But uh, luckily, as a versatile hunting dog, Flick delivered. What are you running these days? Uh, I have German short hair pointers, and I do have a couple of Britneys that that are, uh, and they're they think they're short hairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now tell me what what makes you think they think that? <laughs> well, they're kind of a uh, hard headed, a little arrogant, but they they they'll die for a bird. Yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons that turned me on to German short hair is they're just crazy about hunting birds. They're they're super bird driven, and uh, my Britneys are that way too. And I, and I, the thing the difference about them though is at the end of the day, my Britneys like to cuddle. Yeah, the short hairs they just want to eat and go to sleep. 
No kidding. And that's fine too. Yeah, you know, as long as you both recognize that, if there's an understanding between you and the dog, then it's all right. I take it personally quite often. Uh, so do I. <laughs> and maybe don't tell Flick I said this, but maybe we need a couple soft dogs, you know. Uh, we'll see. So, uh, so there, there've got to be some challenges in um, in working with those dogs. First off, the heat, I think, because they have hair, uh, and and then because they're a slightly different dog, even if they are as crazy as your short hairs. How, do you train them differently? Do you work them differently in the field? Well, they do have a little bit softer temperament. And that is, that's one of the big issues, you know, short hairs and your, your wire hairs. Um, I don't know too much about the Griffins, but the wire hairs and short hairs, you, you can't, you can't phase them. And that's why I, I always recommend to guys getting, uh, uh, getting their first bird dog. I say, get one of them if you're going to train it yourself, because usually it's the trainers that make the mistake. And these dogs recover faster when you make a mistake than say a Brittany or a Vishla, they're a lot more emotional. So you just gotta be, you gotta watch how you train the dog or want get the dog to do the things that you want. You just gotta think it through and come up with a way that it's gonna be presented pleasantly. And usually there's no issue after that. You, you know, and I understand that. And I, I hope I can brag again about another situation in that same general neighborhood I was just describing. But first, I'm, I'm really curious about how you make it a pleasant experience. What, what are the components of that that we should be writing down as you're describing them to us? I don't even like talking about that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Is this secret stuff? Are you going to have to kill no. me afterwards or what? <laughs> no, but with, uh, with a lot of uh, dogs, that are that way you got to change your pitch of your voice you got to be upbeat high yeah. and happy and you'll get a better response versus i can just go out there with with the average shorter and say come yeah let's go load up do this and they just do it yeah they don't care they just want to be out in the field they want to find birds they want to do their job but you can't take that tone with a lot of the other breeds so you got to be come on let's go let's go come on you know and yeah. and they'll they'll get all wiggly and happy mm -hmm. because they thinking that you're happy and want to get wiggly. I, I, and it does work out very good when you do that. Oh, it does. And I, I will tell you, Rashawn Gordon, uh, by the way, you're listening to the Upland nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. You just heard me introduce my lovely guest. You just, you just, you just triggered an explosion in my memory there. I was uh, doing a show in South Dakota at the Kroll Lodge, uh, and the operator, Linda Kroll, is not only a great person, um, and they have great habitat, but she is not just a wire hair fan. She judges the wire hair tests in Germany. Wow. And at the time, she had primarily female guides working on her staff, and they were all running wire hairs. And actually, I should be kind or, or more complete and say they were running Deutsch Drautars because they're all registered with the VDD, and they were all, you know, the kind that you could take to Germany and win the tests. So after about the third day, I'm trying to figure out why all these dogs are so good and i realized that it's because all of the female trainers 
do what you just described. And I'm, I'm, I don't mean it in a, in a derogatory man, manner, but they use a lot more baby talk than I ever do with my wire hair. Exactly. And you're right. What it does, it just dials up the level of enthusiastic satisfaction with a job well done. I can't believe I just put those words together, but that's exactly what I see even in my four-year-old when I do that. Um, you must feel funny though, doing that around all your hunting uh, clients. Oh yeah. It's nothing manly about it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's not what matters. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, we're going to talk. On the fire, you're bragging, they're bringing it up. Yeah. Into the hunt, you know. Yep, we're sitting here at the uh, at the beginning of the season, but um, this is actually probably a good time to ask it uh, because I I just pitched a story to another magazine about this and and exactly this. What after all summer and spring, what are what is the the hunting memory that is still indelibly etched in your mind from last year? Oh, I had a client's dog named Aspen, and my buddy and I we were out quail hunting in late afternoon, and we got into a big cubby. And he had a he had a dog. Uh, and I had Aspen out there. We knocked down like eight birds. Oh. And I got the birds marked where, I'm, where I'm, my buddy's going out with the dogs and working up the dead birds. Well, they end kicking out a bird that flies past me, and I knock it down. And I watch this bird. I knock it down in an open spot. And I keep every now and then, you know, guiding Randy, helping him with the dogs, and then look, make sure my bird's still there. When Randy was down to the last two birds, I said, I'm going to go pick up my, my bird. Look, my bird's still laying there. Well, I was going to start walking. I had to go around a big bush to go pick up my bird. When I come on the other side of the bush, my bird's gone. <laughs> yeah, and there's a, it laid there for like five minutes. I guess it was playing possum the whole time. You, you know, it's funny. I'm interrupting. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I, uh, I immediately just stand still because I want to stay in the area. I called for Randy to bring the dogs over. Aspen comes in. She goes about 25 feet away from me and starts digging. And she's digging. Now she's up to her shoulder. And Randy says, hey, pull that dog because uh, it's still warm out there. He says, she might be on a snake. Yeah. And he's got one of those uh, selfie sticks. Yeah. He goes to the truck, gets that, sticks it down the hole, takes the picture, pulls it out, and he says, nope, she's got your bird. Let her go. I love it. And, uh, I mean, it was just, like, the most awesome thing, you know, because I'll send you the pictures. I love it. Uh, you can see Aspen, and then if you look, you can see the uh, quail in that hole. It was just amazing. You know, what does that tell you about a dog? One, I was very impressed with her ability to smell that bird. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then once she found it, you know, she knew her job was to retrieve that bird. And she went into excavation mode. <laughs> and the picture I'll send you, I mean, you, you'll be amazed on how, I mean, her head's just completely gone. And uh, I, I really love that dog. And it's cool because her owner this year just started his trucking business. And he didn't have time. The hunter, so he actually sent her down to me 
So I get to play with her this uh, hunting season. So me and her are reunited to go, to go do some more uh, quail shooting and hopefully maybe dig a few more holes. Uh, you know, I, I love that story for a whole bunch of reasons. I can relate to it with a valley quail and with a roughed grouse. It, oh, and a chucker too, now that I think about it. Um, it and it just, it just stuns me at how dedicated or bird crazy or disciplined a dog can be. When you're out there, especially early in the season like you have been, um, what are you doing to keep your dogs hydrated and cool? Do you have any special advice for us on that? Well, I pack a lot of water. Yeah. And, uh, again, we have canals everywhere. Oh, yeah. So I, I let them go into the canals and, uh, and swim. I keep them cool, you know, let them, you know, soak their bodies. And when it's really, I don't push them. I, I rotate my dogs. Yeah. Too. Because out here, um, like today, I believe we were about 84 degrees. That's pretty warm. Yeah. And, you know, I worry yeah. when it gets above 50 myself. 50? Yeah. But I, I don't live there. <laughs> yeah, 50, we're putting jackets on. Yeah, well, yeah. You guys walk around in short pants on your dove hunts. I mean, that's just some something I'll never get used to. But uh, do you give your dogs anything else to help them hydrate? For example, there's uh, there's a couple outfits that make a thing you can add to water that supposedly helps with the you know the take up of the of the water do you do anything special like that no sir um and, and you know one i believe if you keep your dog in good shape and keep them conditioned to the area that you're in yeah that's probably not necessary uh we do a lot of shooting of eurasian doves during the summer months yeah and like sometimes it's uh definitely over 100 degrees and there's been days where my dogs have retreated over 100 of those things and they'll drink their water and i have a little tub that they 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 come in and when there's no action they'll lay in it but they're not starved for like water you'll see some dogs that are just constantly lapping the water they're i guess if you keep them conditioned they'll do good i was in a another place at another time last year and um putting the dog up uh, putting the gun away and uh coming down the dirt road is a pro trainer i knew from years back so we're chewing the fat for a little while and we get to talking about this subject and he says well you know those kind of dogs they never they never stay in my string i breed dogs to not need water and i thought okay i don't know how you do that but um it's a noble goal at some point it probably ends up backfiring on you uh, you ever seen anything like that i've seen a lot of guys bring up dogs and they're not conditioned and usually the first sign you want to look for is when the tail kind of uh, does an upside down you yeah that dog is in heat stress. Yeah. And, and it's time to, to get him cooled down and get him out of the field. You, you, what you're describing, I think, and I, I just saw it recently, actually, um, somewhere else, 
it's it's a it's not just a relaxed tail it is actually hooked down and if it was yes. long enough it was if it was a long-tailed dog it'd go out between their legs yes it's really curled hard against their butt yeah, yeah. I, i've seen that and that is a great indication you ever carry that's a thermometer a, you ever try no. And, no that that no no i don't um I, I know my dog wouldn't stand for that. <laughs> the other thing is, and, and it's hard a lot of times, um, but the dogs, you know, it, normally dogs don't sweat. Yeah. But if your dog is really in heat distress, they'll actually sweat through the pads of their feet. Yeah. And if you're, if you're there, you're really in some serious trouble. You ever had to deal with that? What did you do? No, I, I, I haven't. Um, like I said, my dogs, uh, you know, we live here. During the hot part of the day, I keep my dogs inside yeah. with air conditioning. But throughout the day, I'm still letting them out. And um, I don't take, I, I won't go on a hunt unless it's like below 100 degrees. <laughs> and when I stab me like on a, on a dove hunt. I get it, yeah. Be, because the dog's sitting in the shade. I have a, I have a big water to- tub for them to lay in. And so they can go back and forth and they can go back in the shade and get cooled off or they jump in the canal. Um, and a lot of people don't understand, but when you live out west here, you, you don't have much of a hunting season if you're going to hide from the heat. Yeah, I get it. In fact, I had a similar discussion last year with somebody about one of my TV shows and he said, how can you run your dogs out there where all that barbed wire is? They're going to get hurt. And I, I said, I summoned, I summed it up much the same way. I said, if you don't hunt around barbed wire in the West, you don't hunt. Exactly. And don't get me wrong when I say this, because I love my dog, love them with all my heart. I mean, I die for them, but they are a necessity tool for the hunting out here. And I don't ever want to put them in harm's way, but you know, we are out there hunting. You know, they can get hurt. I can get hurt. Unfortunately, that's part of the game. And what we got to do, our responsibility as dog owners is try to prepare for the worst. And if something should happen, we need to know what to do, how to help the dog, and get them to safety as fast as we can. Well, I'm going to share this with you because I, I'm looking for your advice on this. This was uh, at lunch today running my dog um, out behind our place. That's a coyote. He's about 60 yards away from us, and he's calling my dog to come play. And I put play in air quotes because um, we all know what the outcome would would be. And sure enough, so the first thing I did was bring him closer, and, and I'm glad I did because not five minutes later, that coyote's hunting buddy on the other side of us started calling. So we were we were – we were hemmed in by two two coyotes putting the pincher movement on us. Do you deal with much of that out there? I had only when I lived in Searchlight because yeah. our neighborhood was uh, infested with coyotes. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a little puppy run out of my yard, and while we were out looking for, I'm driving the neighborhood and almost back to the house, and I seen her running down the road towards my driveway, mm-hmm. and she had a coyote right on her tail. Woo! <laughs> she was happy to get home. I bet. What and what did the uh, coyote do? Well, because I I just 
Florida on my truck. And then when they knew I was coming, they just kept on running down the road. Yeah. Um, but I, I've, I haven't had a problem with the coyote. I had a dog here get attacked by a, uh, a bobcat. Yep. And she was an old dog. She's just laying in my, she used to like to lay in sun after I put the dogs away. And we heard her, uh, Yelping and screaming when I opened the door, I seen something jump over the fence real fast, you know, and there my dog was laying there bleeding. Wow. Well, um, I hope that ended on a high note. And um, yeah, she got better. Good. She got better. Good. But um, what what is your? We talked about Huns being kind of your bucket list bird, but what uh, in your in the next three weeks? Where don't give me the latitude and longitude, but where are you going to go uh, with the prospect of having a an epic day? Well, I've been trying to work my way. Uh, my my buddy and I were going to hook up and go back on the Arizona Strip. Yeah, and uh, I want to do that. And then if I do end up taking a dog to Vegas, I'll also hunt that Mojave uh, National Preserve there in California. Yes. Um, and in December, I have a AKC hunt test that I'm going to be going to. So I'm actually thinking about taking a week off and hunting some of my old stomping grounds back there. Maybe get a mountain quail and some chucker and just explore the hills that I haven't been in in a long time. Um, if I recall, your stomping grounds are kind of north central California. Am I missing that or what? I, I forgot. Well, Lake Isabella area. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Ridgecrest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Lone Pine area. I have fond memories of that whole area. We did our fifty-mile hike out of um, out of Onion Valley over there to to Lone Pine. I think. Yeah, there's great hunting out there. Great hunting. I miss it all. I miss those valley quail. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't we all? <laughs> they come well, to visit our. Board. Yeah, no, they, I got them. We got two home coveys here in the backyard that uh, visit our water feature at least twice a day. I'm not allowed to shoot at those. <laughs> yeah, but your dog can point them. Oh, he does. <laughs> Way too often for me because now I get jealous. My finger itches a little bit after that. Well, you know, we could go on and on. The next time we do this, I'm hoping we'll be closer together. Like I said, I'll be I'll be keeping everybody posted on how that whole NAVDA annual meeting goes. But Rashawn Gordon, uh, what are we calling your outfit these days? Gordon's Gun Dogs and Guide and Service. Guide service. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you get a chance, too, I'd like to come by and check out this club that uh, I, I'm in with now. Yeah, tell me, where yeah. is it and what are you doing? It is in El Central, California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it was formerly known as Woodlands Hunt Club. So um, for this year, we're keeping the kind of I had to do a name change on it, but it's going to be Woodlands Hunting Club, and we have pheasants and chucker, and we do dove and Eurasian hunts, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's that, a beautiful place. It is. You're down there. Um... You're down there among the the melon fields and probably some alfalfa. I'm afraid to guess alfalfa, what other. Yeah, grass. Um, it's just a wonderful place, and you can uh, check out the old website and, and you can see the the actual club. And we have some of the most beautiful pheasants, long tails. I mean, hard flying. You would think they're wild birds. Love it. 
And if they want more, the best place to find you is on Facebook. Is that what we were yeah, doing sure. last time? Yeah. So just yeah. go to Facebook and uh, search Rashawn Gordon. Gordon, you can spell. I have to spell out Rashawn for me. R-A-S-H-A-W-N. Rashawn Gordon. Hopefully, we'll get together and chase a few gambles quail later this season. In the meanwhile, thanks so much for being a part of the Upland Nation podcast. Thanks for having me, Scott. Great talking to you. Same here. Bye-bye. See you later. And this part of the podcast is brought to you by Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. Watch for the new video. Put together a video on the Fearsome Four. Had some fun with it. All about the things that you really do not want in your dog's food. There's four real culprits out there. One of them, artificial colors. There's nothing good about an artificial color in a dog's food. And uh, if so, if you see one on your dog food label, or if you dig deeper on the website and find artificial colors somewhere on the dog food manufacturer's website, run away as fast as possible. That's Rashad sending me text photos already. I can't wait. In fact, here, I'm going to just, I'm just going to do this. Uh, I don't really do this very often, but okay. So here it is. This dog, this is that short hair. That hole is probably three foot deep by the end of it. And half of the dog is in it. I see the back end of that short hair as she's Aspen, as she is going after that gambles coil. I love it. Good dog. Good trainer. Anyway, Dr. Tim Hunt knows his stuff. He will tell you exactly what's in his dog foods and where all those ingredients come from. And I'll tell you, there's nothing artificial. That's why we call it Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food. Learn more at drtims.com. If you want to try it, you'll get 30% off your first order. Just mention the code Upland Nation at checkout. They'll deliver it right to your front porch, just like all those other guys. So there's no reason not to give it a try. I like the momentum formula. That's a little bit higher protein and fat, but Flick is, he is a rock star on that. And that's what I'm after. So we got lots more to talk about. Hang on. The Upland Nation is still in high gear. And we're going to talk next about what you all learned. last week. If you don't get the Upland Nation Insights newsletter, I invite you to do that. Just uh, sign up at findbirdhuntingspots.com and we'll add you to the list. Every week I'm offering up oh, oh a little bit of everything, something educational. Uh, there's a, another way to watch the podcast. Uh, watch. Yeah, watch it because it's on YouTube or watch the most recent educational video on everything from dog training to uh, dog feeding and shooting. Yeah, not my advice, but advice I get from other people. Anyway, so I always have a survey in there as well. And so um, in the last newsletter, I asked uh, everybody what they learned about last week. I said, did you learn anything at all last week? And then I gave 
one, two, six choices. So most of us learned something about dog performance. That would be 26% of us. And right up there in the same neighborhood, bird behavior. You know, and we've been talking about that a lot today, and I've got way more to do that. I'm going to put some notes together. Maybe we'll just talk about all those sort of things. Next on the list, your hunting buddy. 13.8% of you said you learned something about them. I don't even want to know what that is. Shooting. You learned something about shooting. 20% of you did. Uh, another 9% said they learned something about habitat. And then about 5% of you said you learned something about conservation. You know, the old teacher in me says, I don't care what you learn. As long as you learn something, keep those synapses firing. Have a good time out there and enjoy the heck out of every dimension of a bird hunt from the camaraderie to the dog performance. And don't forget the beautiful places. That's on my short list as well. Well, you've, um, you've earned it. Here's your chance. I'm giving away a peat boot dryer at the end of the month to somebody who answers one of these questions correctly. So I'll pick from all the correct answers. Every month I'll be giving away something. This time it's uh, one of my favorite products. So if you have the correct answer or you think you have the correct answer, go to one of my Facebook pages and private message me. Easy enough to do. I, even I figured out how to do that a year or two ago and you'll be eligible for the Pete Boot Dryer Drawing. This one's so easy. Uh, I mean, really, folks. All you got to do is name one of the sponsors of the Upland Nation podcast. Name one of our sponsors at any of the Facebook pages I check in, the Upland Nation, Wing Shooting USA, you name it. Love to have you win that Pete Boot Dryer in time for, well, the cooler part of the season, but it really it comes in handy every night no matter what time of year, what season it is. Good luck. That'll about do it around here at the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me. Thank you, Rashawn Gordon, for your insights. Looking forward to finally meeting you at some point this season. Thank you uh, all our sponsors for making this possible. Let me say that again, just to remind you about the drawing. Thanks all our sponsors. If you like what you hear, please tell one friend. That's how we grow and we're growing exponentially. I appreciate your help. Leave a review, especially if you're subscribed via Apple Podcasts. That's the one that counts, the big kahuna of ratings. You want to talk any day, it's at Facebook or at findbirdhuntingspots.com where we have something brand new to offer every week in the way of access, strategy, dog training, you name it. I'll leave you with this quote from author Sue Murphy. Hey, did you ever walk into a room and forget why you walked in? I think that's how dogs spend their entire lives. I think I forgot that until just now. Thanks, Sue. Be safe. See you in the field.